I have journeyed out from Egypt's land, fighting many battles, forced to take a stand, led by a message and a prophet true. Trusting and obeying all he said to do. All those who murmur, I choose to ignore. There's so much to do yet, so much to explore. Our prophet told us to take the promised land. Some say we can't do it. I say that we can. Give me my mountain. Don't stand in my way. All my life I've waited for this very day. Give me my mountain. The promise is divine. All the Lord has spoken shall be mine. Footsteps is possession. It's time to look around. There are many treasures waiting to be found. I'm just as strong now. As I was from the start, my blessed inheritance never shall depart. And if I find out the enemy remains, every last inhabitant shall be slain. Give me my mountain, don't stand in my way. All my life I've waited for this very day. Give me my mountain, the promise is divine. All the Lord has spoken shall be mine. Give me my mountain, don't stand in my way. All my life I've waited for this very day. Give me my mountain, promises divine. All the Lord has spoken shall be mine. All the Lord has spoken, every word is true. So much that He's given. Everything shall be mine. That's my kind of song. I don't know about you, but that's Give Me My Mountain. Yeah, we're not going to let one of our, those promises fall. Nice to see everybody here this morning, getting ready for the week ahead. Parents parents are all trembling, making sure that their little ones are getting ready for uh, another great year. Why don't we stand? I'd like to greet all those that are visiting with us. I saw Brother Wes's brother up there. Jeff, God bless you. Nice to see you. Christine, God bless you. Are you bringing the sunshine up or are you... 
getting a, a rest from uh, the hot weather. <laughs> nice to have you here. We've missed you. Amen. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we've had a wonderful, wonderful beginning to a wonderful day in the presence of God. Singing the songs of Zion, which are true and altogether lovely. And you are that altogether lovely one that we want to praise and give glory to. So, Lord, as we now turn to the word, the word itself is the answer for every situation that we have need of, Lord. And so, Father, we're praying now that you, the word, will come forth. Anoint your servant, Lord, and use the word to meet every need, every burden, every care. Lord, set the captive free this morning. And let those that have been freed rejoice in the goodness of your grace. Father, we thank you for a messenger. We thank you for a message that is preparing a people for the catching away. And Lord, we are looking for that day. We commit this service now to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Nice to see you coming back. Let's turn to uh, um, Haggai. Haggai, Zephaniah, all those wonderful books sometimes we neglect. Nevertheless, it's the Bible, and the Bible is the Word of God. Haggai chapter 1. Haggai chapter 1 verse 6, everybody found the place, the Bible reads, you have sown much and bring in little, you eat, but you have not enough, you drink, but you are not filled with drink, you clothe you, but there is none warm, and he that earneth wages, earneth wages, to put into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Well, if you look at that, and, and I guess we have preached on it over the years, um, I'd like you to take the phrase, because we're going to go through a number of scripture, what Haggai is saying there. I'm not going into the judgment part. But we're going into the part, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Or really, consider where you're at. There's much more to possess. Consider your ways. Zephaniah, the next book over from Haggai. This was at a time at the reign of Josiah. And the commentators, they, they go back and forth. They don't know whether the prophecy itself or the book of Zephaniah is pre or post. Uh, most consider it to be post. And it gives indication that there were many idols in the land. And Josiah, as you know, King Josiah as a young boy coming to his throne, cleaned out the idolatry, all the idols, and just tried to clean Israel out. But there's always those that kept a few skeletons in the closet. Always those that maybe had a little idol on top of their home, uh, where they, where they would worship their false idols. And so Zephaniah, he's, um, 
He's, he's judging Israel for that. So I could say then to Israel, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Why on earth would you do that when a prophet such as Zephaniah now is coming to the land and said, destroy it all. Just destroy it all and God will bless you. But because they held back, now the judgment of God was going to fall on them. And the Bible says here in verse uh, chapter 1, verse 11, Howl ye inhabitants of Maktesh, for all the merchants people are cut down. All they that bear silver are cut down. And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles. And I, uh, and punish the men that are settled on their lees. I want you to notice that term lees. They settled on their lees. That means they were complacent. They settled on their lees. They were complacent. They didn't want to do anything. They felt self-sustained. Now that's now, now you either got a prophet speaking, or what are you going to do? Take your own idea? So now, Zephaniah is very clear here. I will, it will come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the men that are settled on their lees that say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. They've come to a conclusion that because they were Israelites from the tribes of Israel, that they could do anything and get away with it. I think they should consider their ways. There was more of God than that. But now, saints of God, if we leave it there without a hope of promise, this would be a gloomy service. But it nevertheless is pertaining to every individual here. That God does search out Jerusalem. With light. And he sees in your bedrooms. He sees your thoughts. He sees those secret chambers. And what we're saying is consider your ways. Because there indeed is a judgment coming. Whether you figure out it's not going to happen or not. Who cares what men think? It's been spoken by a prophet. But it doesn't end that way. And that's the wonderful thing about God. He'll show his judgment, but he'll also show his mercy. So the last book, chapter 3, verse 12 says, Sing, O daughters of Zion, shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all the heart, O daughters of Jerusalem. The Lord hath taken away thy judgment and hath cast out thine enemy. The king of Israel, even the Lord, is in the midst of thee. And thou shall not see evil any more. And the church of the living God said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord for a good ending. You may have your seats. We're going to a good ending. We're going to a very, very, very good ending.
And we, uh, Lord willing, I trust we do get into future home. But don't fool yourselves, and especially doesn't matter whether it's young people or older alike. This world has been prophesied to pass away. Amen. Scripture has said, heavens and earth shall pass away. But my word will never pass away. Amen. So then we start to understand, well, his word will never pass away. But where is that word? Is what you need to ask yourself. Where is that word that will never pass away? And I think I'm looking at him. We always say, hey, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We're coming to the understanding that we were always in the thoughts of God. We were eternal with God. We are now being the manifestation of His thoughts for this hour. So that Word that was in the Word has become the Word made flesh also. And this Word... Shall not pass away. I was going through Satan's Eden, and that's that's really a a message that will get your attention. It will really get your attention. Um, God of this evil age. When's the last time anybody actually went and picked out the tape? God of this evil age. Satan's Eden. Indictment. What will you do with this Jesus called Christ? These are important messages, folks. You know, we're not coming to church just to hear Brother Tom preach or Brother Tim or Brother John or whomever preaches. We've got a message. And this message was for you. Some say, well, Brother Tom, we have heard that. And you know what? Fall asleep. Go ahead. Get lullabied. And that's what Israel did. That's what Israel did. But there was a group of people that God saw that was not going to let his statutes fall down. But was going to hold the word of God high and esteem it more than life itself. Very important to understand. We see judgment coming and we see the horrific things that are coming on the earth. We see catastrophic hurricanes hitting, volcanoes coming, fires everywhere. Isn't this a wonderful age we live in? I say, amen. It has been the judgments of God that are falling. But I believe that there's a bride that is under the wings of the Almighty. Amen. I've got no fear. We're the people on this face of the earth that can really put up that bumper sticker. No fear. Everybody else is whistling in a graveyard. But God sent me a prophet. I don't know about you, but you might as well say me. Behold, I send you, me, Elijah the prophet, before the judgment. The world is coming to its climax. God of the evil age, of this evil age. The world is coming to its climax. Why? The spirit of lawlessness, moral decay, scientific religion 
has led it to the cage of every hateful and unclean bird. That is your prophet preparing you so that you wouldn't be caught up in the God of this evil age. Amen. This evil age is to prove to Satan she is not like Eve. I'm sorry. Sorry, saints. I'm not like Eve. That listen to Satan's lie. That says Laodicea is better than this message. It's more entertaining than what this message is. More stimulating. They're more addicted to their TVs or their movies. More addicted to it than addicted to the word. I know what addiction is. I do. I know what it is to be addicted by cigarettes. I know what it is to be addicted by booze. I know what it is to be addicted. But I know what it is to be delivered from that addiction. And now addicted to another wine. To another stimulation. But no. As Zephaniah and Haggai was laying it out. Telling the people. Don't get slack. There's much more land. There's much more for us in the word. You can study, get your BA, your master's, your uh, PhD, whatever you want, saints. But Brother Brenham said one thing. What that will do, if your mind is not centered on Christ, will take you farther away from God. But now... We are going to prove to Satan, she's not like Eve. She is not that type of woman. She will be tried by his word, the bride, as Adam's bride was tried by the word. And Adam's bride believed every bit of the word, but was confused only on one promise. One, one promise. And people have left confused. On many promises. Many promises. Confused. They were confused. On this issue. That he is the same yesterday. Today. And forever. They failed to understand. The temptation. Of the enemy. And now the people. That's called for his name of course. Is his bride. And she is to come in contact again. With the very same thing. Not just a denominational truth. Or something. But every word. She'll be tried on every word. Tried on every word. Remember, Eve only fell by one. And now we're failing to understand, he said, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And she'll be tried on every word. 
Boy, that really got our... You know what you did already? You already went to this and condemned yourself. When my Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So though Satan comes and Satan comes and just riles at us. And we reel under it sometimes. But we still have to believe in who we are. We are the word made flesh today. Not just churchgoers at Cloverdale Bible Way. But I've been birthed by that incorruptible seed of God. And every seed will bring forth of its. I love it when you finish the scripture. So how be it, as we've started this little series now on part four, how be it, Jesus said in John, St. John 16, 13, how be it that when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of him, Self, but whatsoever he hears, that he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. And as I was closing last service, there's never been a generation like this generation that can look at this scripture and say, this scripture is being fulfilled in my ears. I'll give you another translation if you don't mind. I'm sure it won't bother most people because, saints of God, there are many translations. I've got a Bible um, program that shows 21 of them. And probably 20 of them not worth whatever. I don't give them much value. So I like to go to the Aramaic. I like to go into the Greek. I do. I like to go into the Hebrew. I like to cross-reference things. So it's not just that we're just taking some wingnut thought of the Bible. Because he that adds one word or takes one word, their name shall be stricken from the book. So why would I want to put myself in that position or you? So let's take a look at this. So when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will give you the full And complete truth. Hallelujah. So now when the spirit of truth has come. Many have read it throughout the ages. And Brother Branham said. He said. and, And I have the quote where he says. Now Luther had a portion of the Holy Spirit. Wesley had a portion of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit was guiding them into truth. But you and I can read the Bible and start to say when he, the person, the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you into all truth, which is the full and complete truth. He will declare it. And God can't declare it through the wind, the sun, the moon and the stars. How does he declare it? 
God can do nothing until first he reveals it to his servants, the prophets, first. So now he will disclose this truth. He will unveil this truth. Because it will be this truth that will hold back the idols and idolatry of this age from a people that are getting ready to be raptured. And you can say, Amen. I've been chosen. I've been elected by Almighty God to hear this spirit of truth. Not just a part. I gave them all of my heart. Not just a part truth. We got the full truth. Hallelujah. And this truth is still marching on. I listened to that song coming to church this morning. Truth is marching on, Andrew. Michael. Truth is marching on. It's marching on in the lives of his elected lady. Truth is marching on. He will, the spirit of truth, will uh, disclose and reveal and make known. People don't want William Branham's name to quotes. They're ashamed of what God's done in this generation. But let me tell you something. None of these men or me or any minister has nothing to preach outside of truth. Unveiled truth. Amen. People say, well, you're following a man. Who are they following? You want to take Spurgeon? He was a Trinitarian. I, 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 you know, people want to always look back. They're a bunch of frogs looking back. But God, truth moves on. They, sure, they were great men for their day, but they didn't have everything. But when he, the spirit of truth, has come. I say when Revelation 10.1 came down in this generation, it was to reveal to you all the truth that God has in his word. Yes, sir. He will reveal it. He will make it known to you what is also to come in the future. And that's why we've been titling the message. There's more to come. We're not just going to be here at Cloverdale Bible Way sitting in the pew in the way that we are right now. You're going to have more victory. You're going to overcome Satan at every turn of the road. I'll show you more things to come. You will be a victorious bride. She is his victory. She is the church triumphant. Does anybody want to say amen? Does anybody want to say that's me? They don't want it. Give me everything that you ever have. But they didn't have nothing. All they had was a mental understanding of what they thought this message was. That's all they had. It's a mental concept. Never a revelation. Because a revelation can never be moved. Come on. Revelated word. Nothing can move a person that's caught a revelation. Of their God being revealed to them personally. I didn't come to this church, David, because I saw a whole bunch of people that I liked. 
I didn't come to church for that. All my soul saw was there's people that I want to live like them. They got Jesus Christ living in them. And my soul cried out. Give me their God. Hallelujah. So now when the spirit of truth comes, it will disclose, it will reveal, it will make known and show you things to come in the future. And he will announce to you what is coming. How can he announce it? He can't. He can't. I can't. No man can. But there had to be Revelation 10.7. I'm sorry, friends. At the sounding of the seventh angel message, when he shall begin to sound, all will be made known and the future, and he will tell you things to come. Amen. Praise the Lord. Here's the message in uh, uh, called I, a guide. How be it when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. What is truth? What is truth? We don't want to get into Ken being pilot and the question being answered at at, at Quamus, walking across the stage, what's truth? What's truth? Truth was standing right there. In Pilate's hall, there was Jesus Christ. There was truth right there. Brother Ram said, what is truth? The word. The word is truth. I'm sorry. Your psychologist ain't true. Because what they learn today... They'll unlearn tomorrow and learn something new. But God's word is true. God's word is true. He shall speak and he shall not speak of himself. When the spirit of truth has come, he won't speak of himself. But he will speak what he hears. He will speak what he hears and he will speak, Brother Bram said, in other words, he'll be the one that will reveal the thing to you. Are you listening now? So when he, the spirit of truth has come, which is the word, that's truth, the word, he will be the one that will reveal the thing to you. Abraham goes on to say the fourth chapter of Hebrews, the Bible says that the word of God is sharper, more powerful than any two-edged sword, a discerner of the thoughts of the mind and of the heart. See what he hears. He speaks. Brother Abraham would often said, I see you at the bedside praying. What he hears. He speaks. Then Brother Abraham turns around and says, That wasn't me. That was him. Come on. That was not William Branham. That was God taking the vessel, speaking what he was hearing. 
You were asking the Lord if you could just get to me. You'll be healed. And then he turns around, is that right, lady? Whatever he said, is that true? Oh, but you've heard it so much. I want you to rejoice with me as though you've never heard it before. This spirit of truth has come. Amen. He'll speak and he'll show you things to come. What's what's going to do that? The Holy Spirit who will come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Bram said in the first seal. He said, I would have absolutely today. I hope that people that are spiritual. I would have made a horrible mistake. On that, if it hadn't have been about 12 o'clock in the day, when the Holy Spirit came into the room, corrected me on something that I was writing down to say, it was 12 o'clock. The Holy Spirit swept right down into that room, Brother James. That was not man opening the book. It was the spirit of truth that was opening the word. He said, I would have made a terrible mistake. I would have made a terrible mistake. But at 12 o'clock, he knew exactly when that Holy Spirit came into that room. Swept in. And the whole thing just opened to me. And there it was. That first seal being opened. I say, glory be to Jesus. He was showing us who that white horse rider was. Red, black, pale. He was showing you things to come and how it's written. Feast of the Trumpets. One day in Sabino Canyon. Well, God called me early in the morning. I was up there. My hand was in the air, praying, and a sword came into my hands. You know that? I stood there and I looked at it. Just natural as my hand is now. Look at that. Just as natural as my hand is now. Not knowing what it meant. And it left me. With a voice that said, this is the king's sword. <laughs> he will show you things to come. This is the king's sword. And then later, when the angel of the Lord revealed it, it was the word in the hand. Hallelujah. But that word didn't say in just his hand. It was given to you and me. Take the book. Take it. Give it to me. Take it. Give it to me. And I want you to say that young man. Give me this book. You might have your studies you have to do this year. But you make sure you've got time to lay in the presence of God. And say, Lord, give me this book. 
I've got the king's sword. Hallelujah. Amen. I've got the king's sword. It's the word of the Lord in my hand. Immediately after that, the angels of the Lord appeared and told me about the seven seals that I was returned back to Jeffersonville and preach the seven seals. And there, if ever, I ever said anything that was inspired. Now you have got from 47 to 1963, tens of thousands of supernatural events taking place. But nothing was more inspired than this event. I would like the Holy Spirit, if he would, punctuate that in every heart. As I said last week, after the seals were opened, everything under those seals that were preached were preached because the seals were opened. And that's why you'll often hear him say, since the opening of the seals, since the opening of the seals, since the opening of the seals. Are you still with me? If I've ever said anything that was inspired, it was that. There where the angel of the Lord met us. And the Bible became a new Bible. There it opened and revealed all the things that the reformers and things that have left out. Remember, when the spirit of truth has come, it's going to make all revealed. All that was disclosed, now open. Or all that was closed, is closed. So that you will see in the future. And he will announce to you what is coming. What a mighty God we serve. Yes, we hear of the judgments. Yes, we hear of the idols of every sport God. Hollywood God. Now we have YouTube gods. Called influencers. Perverters. Listen. You're not going to get me on your side on that one. Anybody that influences you to be like the world is the devil. Period. And parents, you better wake up. Because you got your own children trying to influence others to be perverts. This house needs to be clean. Amen. Amen. Say amen. amen. We have people that have desperate needs. We want it right when we come into the house of God. We want to come to the house of God saying, Lord, everything is under the blood. My attitude is under the blood. My heart is under the blood. My bitterness, my upsets, they are under the blood. That's when you will go on with God. So we started the series. If you be Christ. And I gave you the freedom to say, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. 
Yes, I am, Brother Tom. <laughs> if you be Christ, are you really Christ, Barb? Have you really been born again, Barb? Yeah, I've been born again. I'm not questioning you. I'm just asking you. Yeah, I'm born again. If you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. And you're heir according to the promise. Heir of everything that Bible declares. It's a legal right for you. He's going to show you things to come. You're healing, Jeremiah. Jeremiah, your healing is in the book. Amen. Your deliverance, you, is in the book. People say, well, people have died and people have gone on. David said, though they fall by a thousand on my right hand and ten thousand on my left hand, I will not be moved. God's word is God's word. God has his reasons. God has his purposes. And we figure we got it all figured out. As Brother Biscoe preached years ago, you're just a speck of dust crawling on this earth. When I was praying this morning, that's exactly how I approached the Lord. Lord, I'm just nothing but a speck of dust. In the scope of everything, we lift our gray matter up. Really? Really? Some people lift their minds above the Word of God? Where are they in a moment? Life is but a vapor. Could be called, where are you going then, my friend? Where are you going, in the presence of God or to the regions of the lost? There's only two places to go. If my Jesus, in this Bible, is my Jesus, said to me, as it was in the days of Noah, or let me say, as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, there was Elohim for Abraham, for Sodom and Gomorrah. There was an ark for the days of Noah. Now you tell me, in your great intelligence, either you believe the Bible or you don't. Now, I'm assuming, as I said in the first service, that everybody's here because they want to be here. That's a pretty good assumption, isn't it? So now I'm assuming you believe the Bible. True? So I'm assuming you actually believe Noah's Ark. You know, I always, okay, okay, okay. How, how did, how did, how did? Now, I, this is Tom now. You can throw this one out, spit it out, say it's a bone or whatever. How did, how did, like, like how did the sloth from South America get to the Ark? Have you figured that one out yet? All you geniuses? Tell me how he got there. Or the Black Panther. Jariah, how did he get there? How did he get there? Could he get there much as the grizzly bear got there for a prophet? Could all of a sudden those animals be showing up? And the world saying, where did they come from? Bud! <laughs> Brother Brandon, where'd that bear come from? I can look for miles. You gotta believe it or not. How did they get, how did the kangaroo get there? Oh well, to see, there was a palatial shift of land and they were all in one there way. It could have been. But who told them to go to the ark? It's a big land. 
He leadeth me. He leadeth you. And he will show you things to come. Now and the future. Not going to stop now. If he's shown you Malachi 4, get ready for a great translation, folks. Get ready. I'm getting ready. Uh, Israel, I'm ready. I'm ready. Somebody alarm's on. I'm preaching too loud? Okay. If that's the fire alarm, we got the fire here. All right. So if you be Christ, you're Abraham's seed and you're heir. They're heir. You have a legal possession of the distribution, distribution of your heavenly father. <laughs> my, 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 my. So now I preached on it years ago. So I, of course, the scriptures in my mind from preaching it. Psalms 16 and verse five. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance. (laughs) The Lord, the word is the portion of mine inheritance. It looks like the devil's trying to rob somebody of something. You going to stay with me? All right. So now then we have a legal possession being distributed from our heavenly father. Say everything is yours now. Amen. Come on, bride. Everything I own is my wife's. I never question anything. There is nothing I've ever questioned. I don't go through her bills. Oh, I got some smiles on someone. And I didn't get a sister saying amen anywhere. You should have. I don't. I don't. Uh, she's she's my Proverbs 33, is it? 31? She's my Proverbs 31. I've trusted totally in her. And she might be my 33. <laughs> so I'll speak another verse. <laughs> total trust. Total trust. And I believe he's got total trust in us. Total trust in the bride. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance. Well, then if the Lord is my portion, he's my Jehovah-Jireh, Rapha, Tiskanu, Shama. He's everything. He's everything to me. And David goes on to say, and the lions have fallen in pleasant places. The lines have fallen in pleasant places. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Alright! Hey, you can't put this fire out, friends. You can't put this light out. The word is the word. And his lines have fallen in pleasant places. I have a godly heritage. I want you to say amen. I'm not under the judgment. I'm not one of those that work and have bags with holes in it. I put my hands to something and God blesses it for the glory of God. 
Hallelujah. He's my lot. He's my portion. He's my contentment. He's my inward pleasure. He's my satisfaction. He's my joy in my inheritance. There is a constant thanksgiving of God's predestinated unmerited grace. I'm looking for a city. Under Abraham's anointing, I'm looking for a city. And then your prophet said, and who is this Melchizedek? Abraham saw Melchizedek and he said he knew then the city must be somewhere. Then if this Melchizedek has come, then our city is ready. I've gone to prepare a place for you. These lines have fallen on pleasant places. It's a godly heritage. It's, you know what? I don't, I, I really don't believe in running the aisles. I don't. I don't believe in that kind. But I believe in it. Somebody do it. No, I'm just not encouraging fanaticism now. And I don't believe jumping up and down, jumping up and down, but you can jump up and down. At best, say amen. amen. It's bubbling. It's bubbling. It's bubbling in my soul. If you got something bubbling, you gotta let the bubbles out. Amen. So now we're coming and we're in such a combat of ages. That's a conflict of Brother Briscoe said, of two worlds colliding. Such a conflict is going on. People falling away. Disbelieving one minute, believing the next, disbelieving the next. But his truth is still marching on. Irregardless of who believes and who doesn't believe, the word is the word. Hallelujah. So then we, we looked at Zephaniah and, and if you read the book of Zephaniah and how the people lived and how they acted in parallel so uncannily to Laodicea. So uncannily. Prophet, not listening. Their own idea, we're good enough. I'm complacent. I'll sit on my lees. But there is a church that still believes his word is true. And I believe I am with a group of people that is the same. A group of people on one hand who sit on their lees, as the scriptures say, or can I give you the Hebrew part of that saying it's that just complicit in and being self-satisfied. I believe a prophet. I'll live any way I can. I'll live 500 miles away, never go to church. That's anti-Bible. That's anti-Bible. My Bible says when you see these things are coming, gather. Less together. No. Not less together. What? More together. But you see people fleeing. Because wolves have gotten on them. But there's a shepherd. There is a shepherd. And he will find his sheep. 
He will leave the 90 and dying this morning to go after a one that's caught in the thicket of unbelief. And he will take his staff. It will take the word to cut that thicket away. Don't tell me it's not an age of complacency. And don't you church at Cloverdale Bible Way ever get to this place of complacency. I don't want to veer off and I don't want to get negative, but I want you to understand what I'm preaching. Complacency. Look it up. It's becoming an age, they say, of complacency. Socialism is rising in the States, they say. Well, we beat them by years. You know, it's, it's just so funny. You know, politics is so funny. They get everybody hyped up and all afraid of socialism. Hey, hello, Canada. Oh, Canada. You know. Oh, I'm not into politics, but. The, I have a right. I got a right for this. I got a right for health care. I got a right to live any way I want. And I don't need to work 40 hours a week. I got a right. To live like that fellow that's worked his brains out to get what he's got. But I want to be just like him because I got a right. I'm an American. Ooh. Not an amen, but that's okay. I'll say Canadian. Thank you. Complacent. Means to be self-satisfied. They're egocentric. Me, me, and more about me. I deserve five weeks off a year. Demand so much pay. Hmm. Boy, I knew when I got to this part, it would would, would not be a... But don't say it's me. Just say that's them. That's out there. That's not me. There's more to come. Complacency takes out the drive. Ooh. I'm just happy where I am. Complacency is in contentment. Don't let the devil trick you. Look up the definitions. Please, please, please. Two different, two different subjects. Complacent. The person that's complacent is self-satisfied, egocentric, me, 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 narcissistic, self-centered, zombie. I don't even know what a zombie was until I looked it up. And apparently there's quite a few movies on it. And you are what you watch. It used to be you are what you eat. Now it's you are what you watch. Huh? Get on a bus and expect a free free bus rides, Dave. They, they expect it. Go to the hospital. I pay my medical. They don't get to pay theirs, and they get what I get and more. Oh boy! Thanks, Margaret. It is true. They're lifeless, apathetic. No interest, 
Don't get squeaky on me. And no feeling. Complacency has to do with self-satisfaction. Their self-esteem of what they think is contentment for themselves, not God's contentment. Complacency destroys. You look it up. It doesn't matter if it's in business, sports, church, doesn't matter what. Complacency in any area of your life kills the going forward. So now as a church, we need to rebuke that thing. Because when he, the spirit of truth has come, he's going to lead you forward. Not comfortable sitting in your seat. But Lord, open your word. Stimulate me, Lord. It's part of the seals. It's a stimulation of revelation. And it's not you getting mine. I'm drinking my own wine that Jesus gives me. And I love to come to your house and share your wine. Not bottled, revelated. I want to make that very clear. Because people that have left, now you can have up to six beers and have wine. So if that's their revelation, they can have it. But mine is, be ye holy, as I am holy. Without holiness, no man shall see God. Hallelujah. Complacent. I have a few things. I, I, I want to get off this part because you have really come down here. But I want to really get you up here. Because he's going to show you good things to come. Somebody that's complacent means that spiritually they're dwarfed. Spiritual dwarfs. Spiritually damaging their condition. How does that do it? Because in complacency, I know what I know. Don't need to know too much more. I've been here for 40 years. Well, 30, 20, 10, I don't care. Because complacency doesn't, has, has no time. I don't need to read my Bible no more. Or as faithful as I used to. And you feel you're okay with that. That's complacency. It's not that you don't do it. It's that you feel you're okay not doing it. That's a dangerous spiritual place. When we don't regularly pray anymore. Come on, church. We're talking about complacency. And Brother Branham does. There's a quote where he says, yes, it will get harder and harder. But saints, we got to fight harder and harder too. 
complacently, not reading your Bible regularly, not praying regularly. It puts you in a dangerous spiritual place because it comes to a place where I actually think it's okay. What did, and then a prophet says, Brother Branham, or, or that was asked the question, Brother Branham, how do we get to be more spiritual? And you know the answer. Read your Bible and pray once a week. That's complacency. Hmm. Willingly absent from church. Now, I looked that up, so you know what? It's not unique to Bible way. Complacency, like I said, is in the business. They, I deserve a day off. But you've already taken 50 sick days already. It's complacency. They said it's an absenteeism of church. They miss it and feel it's okay. It's okay. You won't lose heaven. I'm predestinated. And if we hear it a lot, watch out. Because that in itself can jar you to a place. Hey, I can just about do anything. And I think Brother John preached on it the other night. So if you get to that place, that means you never were in that place. We become indifferent to a holy life. This is what you're fighting, saints. We are in a spiritual warfare. And that is why the word of God, the message, meets the end time condition. That's why you'll hear us say... Often and often and often read your Bible. Listen to the message. We become indifferent to a holy life. We let worldlyism creep in. Start letting the heels raise up. Dresses tight. Makeup put on your face. Things that were preached 30, 40 years ago. You wouldn't dream of doing it. But you're not in the message. Or you're, can I say, you're not in the word. If that is creeping in, and you're becoming complacent to it. So I got the end of this point saying, welcome to Laodicea. But it doesn't end there. To him. That overcomes complacency. Laodicea. To him will I grant to sit with me. I'm showing you future home. I'm showing you future things. Remember, we got to head not positive. To him that overcome will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Even as I also overcame and have sat down. With him and he with me. Sit down with my father. Sorry. In his throne. He that has an ear. Let him hear. 
So you say, well, Brother Tom, I've let it in. Then all I say, repent. Because <laughs> what, 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 what does the scripture say here? As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and what? Repent. Say, Lord, forgive me. Take this spirit of complacency off me. Because when the spirit of truth has come, it's going to lead me into a rapture. Hallelujah. Repentance. If you look up the word repentance in the Greek. To repent is, as Brother Branham said, to turn away from where you are going to the correct way where God wants you to go. How difficult is that? Some persons asked me one time, how did you quit smoking? I quit. How did you quit doing that? I quit. How do you do that? Quit. Was that difficult? I had a, a doctor. I remember one of my first operation, Dr. Forrester. He was a grand old doctor in Cloverdale as we were growing up. And uh, he came in and he was concerned over the pain and condition of my ankle and so forth. So he says to me, he says, you know, Tom? He says, you know, Tom? He's a little British. He says, um, he says what I'm going to give you here, he says, is going to... Um, not cause you a problem. I said, well, thanks, Dr. Forrester. He says, because there's always two kinds of people. He says, the want to and the want not to. He says, you got the want to that want drugs. You got the want not to that don't want the drugs. He says, let me give you an example of my father. My father had an asthmatic condition in London when I graduated to be a physician in England. And I came home for the weekend and my dad was wheezing and so forth. And he said, he said, son, would you mind getting my prescription over there? So he says, I went to get the prescription. And he looked at it and I go, dad, they're giving you heroin. That was their prescription for asthma. Heroin. And he says, oh, you don't say. <laughs> and Dr. Forrester looked at me and he said, he never took any, he'd been on it for years. And he says, he never took another one. That's a natural man. How about those that got God? How about people that say, I got Jesus Christ living on the inside. Working towards the outside. Making a difference in my life. Amen. It sets us free from the thoughts of Laodicea. We are overcomers. We've repented. We're going on with God. And those that have complacency is not us. It's not us, saints. It is not the bride of Jesus Christ. We have heard the voice of God in this generation. If you haven't listened to this message in a long time, I suggest that you listen to it. It's called Looking at the Unseen, 1959. And Brother Branham's closing, closing, closing. And he goes, Lord, this little broken up message tonight, I fumbled around trying to find the lead to something. 
that would break a revival. It seems like, Lord, I just can't find the spot. Seems like the people just can't get into it somehow. Now, you think about it, 1959, the spirit of complacency when a prophet is on the scene. But listen, listen, listen. The word goes forth and I'm sure the spirit is here. Lord, what is the hour that we're living in? Is it the hour of numbness? Is it the hour the church has been lulled asleep by the things of the world? And by all the things that they should not have listened to? Is this the hour, Lord? Oh, Father God. How do I know the sun will rise in the morning? I do not know. But I pray thee, Lord... That this one more time tonight, now listen to him, that you will break forth upon this audience. Listen to his heart cry. Even now he's experienced it. He's saying, Lord, could you just one more time break forth on the audience? Speak yourself, Lord. Here's your prophet saying, speak yourself, Lord. My voice is insufficient. But what I have here, I surrender to you. Because I realize you cannot come here in a corporal body. For when you come then, the dead in Christ will rise. Then time shall be no more. But you have sent the Holy Spirit. When he, the spirit of truth, is come, you have sent the Holy Spirit to move in and out of our bodies and to perform and show your signs and wonders that people might be saved by your promise. Do you not do it? You do not do it because you have to. You do it because your word is being fulfilled. Amen. Lord, speak to us. My voice isn't sufficient. You promise, Lord. And I pray that it will be so once more tonight. And then I shall turn this audience to you. That if we never meet again, Lord, it will be between them and thee. Receive all that we did and bless those that raise their hands and the others that they may be saved. For I ask it in the name, in Jesus' name. Amen. It's not finished because now he's asked. He's asked now for the Lord to speak because his voice wasn't sufficient. Now listen what he says here now. While you're standing to your feet praising God, how many wants to raise their hands now? And believes that God will hear my prayer for the salvation of your soul. Come walk down here right now. I will praise Him. I will praise Him. Come on. 
Walk right down from the aisle. Come on down. Listen, if the prophet hadn't come on down, I'd say, come on down. Come on down. He said, come on down. Keep your hands up. Keep looking at the unseen. Don't you feel that pulsation? I've used this before, but saints, I'm putting it in this context now. Don't you feel that pulsation in your heart? Come, move right down here. Pulsating to you. Now his voice totally changes. I am the Lord God that raised Christ up from the grave. I am the one that sent the Holy Ghost. I am the one that gives the promise. Brother Branham has nothing to do with this. Uh, he has surrendered his life to me. And I'm using his spirit. And I'm talking through his lips. That's my God. That's your God. That's what we believe in, saints. When he, the spirit of truth, has come. It is not the voice of a man. It's the voice of God. I am talking through his lips. Never a generation has experienced it like this outside of Jesus Christ walking in the flesh. And for you people, you should rejoice in your hearts this morning that he came to me. He came to me. This message came to me. Hallelujah. We should praise him, saints. You should praise him. You should thank him from the depths of your soul. That when you turn on that tape, you know, Brother Bram said, unveiling of God, the same one that moved on men of old that wrote this Bible is the same one that is interpreting it to you. That's my God. Looking to Jesus. He said, the spirit then makes the word to live to promise. In other words, it's the seed and the spirit gives it life and it unctionizes it. Not complacent. Now it's unctionizing us. Unctionizing us. I remember when I first had that, I came out of my study. I said to Joanne, I said, honey, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. This is amazing. And people want to throw this message away and think it's nothing. It's the very vehicle God gave you to put on a body change. It's not something to sit on a shelf someday and listen to it while you're busy around the house. It's listening to thus stay at the Lord. People rise up and say, well, Brother Bram did this and this. Who is the gray matter talking? Just look at the gray matter. I'll take a prophet over any gray matter. They say, oh, Brother Bram went off. I just, there's always, they always have personal accusations. I have never found a word accusation yet. Hey, I do. I tell stories. People tell stories. You tell stories. I say, don't you, John? We all tell stories. Sometimes we tell a long story. Sometimes we're cut it real short, but it's the same story. And, and, and so they fault, fault, they look fault, fault, they're fault finders. 
They're looking for something to fail. They were looking for Jesus to fail. They will look for you to fail. But Jesus sees you faultless. Hallelujah. He sees you faultless. He sees you through the blood. The spirit of this world. Brother Bram said, hates the spirit of God. The spirit of complacency hates fervency. I'm going to say that one more time. The spirit of complacency hates fervency. Why do you have to be so excitable? Because I'm going to a new city. I remember the first time I ever went to Hawaii, I told the whole world I was going to Hawaii. Hey, my mom and dad didn't go to Hawaii for 25 years. They saved up, saved up, saved up, and I went to Hawaii. Now, every Tom, Dick, and Harry goes to Hawaii. But it used to be in the dark ages, you had to take a boat. Boy, you're really old. (laughs) My uncle Tom and Annie Mary, that's how they got to Hawaii, in a boat. Yeah, in a boat. But when you want to go there, you told everybody, I'm going on a holiday. Where are you going? Oh, we're going to the sun. Huh. Can't wait to get there. Palm trees, bananas, coconuts. Huh? But now, this is Laodicea. You can go anywhere you want on credit card. <laughs> it used to be cash in the grand old age. In the grand old days, cash. If you didn't have the cash, you didn't go. Boy, that would stop a lot of people here from going anywhere, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would stop me. <laughs> so now here you have something and you want to go somewhere and it's something exciting. You want to let the people know. Saints, I want you to know that I'm going to this city. I'm going to a city where the Lamb is the light. Why? The Spirit of Truth told me I'm going there. Uh huh. And I'm going to sit on the throne in that city. Yes, sir. And I'm going to be 1,500 miles high. Looking down. It's an exciting place to go. Do you want to come with me? Brother Bram said he's going to take you to your surprise. (laughs) I've gone to prepare a place for you. You know, you ever see these mansions? You see the opulence, the chandril, candelabras and chandeliers. That was two words in one. <laughs> and they got huge, huge entryways. And their palace is a bump out. That will be a garage. Because <laughs> that, that's what man thought. But I want to see what God thought. And he said, he's going to take you to your surprise. <laughs> you want to come? I do too. I do too. The spirit of this world hates the spirit of God. Hmm? Ever walked in a room of unbelievers? They look at you and go, whoa. They think that you're an alien. I am. I just don't happen to have antennas. I'm an alien. I come from another world. But the spirit of this world hates the spirit of God. 
And because it can't overcome the Spirit of the Lord, it tries to destroy the vessel in whom the Spirit of the Lord dwells in. That's exactly true. They hate you. Not the person. It's the Spirit on them. And that's why we have to differentiate between the Spirit and the person. So did you get that? So not everybody's going to love you. Get over it. I did. It took me years. I'd have people stare at me in the the balcony looking at me trying to bind me up. I said, that devil ain't going to bind me up. They're not here. They're gone. They've gone back in the world. But by the grace of God, I'm still here. I didn't have a bitterness. They didn't bother me. I prayed for them. We were supposed to. That's Bible. But nevertheless, the spirit on them hates you. Or hates the vessel. Now, he said, the Holy Spirit is here looking out for those individuals that God has ordained to life in this age. And that's why we're still here. That's why you're here, Brother James, Sister Shirley, because the Holy Spirit knew. Susie knew. Knew. You had to be here. And we wanted to go 10 years ago. Anybody that was here 10 years ago, be honest with, my, with yourself. You wanted to leave 10 years ago. Put up your hand. Look around the room, Susie. These were your people. <laughs> oh, my. But God had to hold off for his elect's sake. And I said to somebody the other day, I really want to talk to that last one. I really want to encourage them in the faith. (laughs) I'm going to be gone. In the twinkling of an eye, I'm going to be gone. No more time to say goodbye. It might be while I'm singing this song. So the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, Is looking to those that are ordained to life in this age. So that's why the Holy Spirit of truth. Has gone from age to age to age. Looking for that predestinated seed. So as soon as it finds it. It does just like it did on Jesus Christ. That great super son of God. Who redeemed us all. It comes down. Takes its abode in that human life. And brings it quickening power. No complacency. Sorry. No complacency to quickening power. Brings it to quickening power. And that quickening power that came upon Jesus quickened him to manifest every promise of the word. Of that day. So does, now listen, so does the Holy Spirit come upon us in this day if it's not the mockery Holy Spirit. 
You're not the devil mocking the Holy Spirit, but it's the real true Holy Spirit will manifest the promise of this hour. It's the Holy Spirit coming down to quicken or make alive those people that have been foreordained of God to be in the rapture. I believe God can do the same thing for every needy person right here, right now. The Holy Spirit is here to awaken your conscience to His being and give you those things that Jesus promised you. And that's what I want to end this service on. Show you things to come. So it's more than just, remember, it's just more than believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it goes on to say, Brother Bram says so often, and these signs shall follow them that believe. It's more than just living just a Christian life. It's living a overcoming bride life. I know he's here to perform exactly that. Musicians, musicians, please come. I know he's here to perform it. That which he promised. Father, I commit myself to you as an unworthy vessel. And this frail being of mine, Lord, I pray you'll open every valve of my being tonight. Not only mine, but every person that is in this building. May their hearts spring open. Lord, let my heart spring open. Spring open. May the Holy Spirit rush in like a wave after wave of His glory. And may the people awaken to the fact that Jesus has raised up from the dead and is standing here amongst us tonight. He will show you things to come. He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me has what? Everlasting life and shall never come into the judgment, but is passed from death unto life. What a miracle. Dead sinners a few minutes ago. Dead sinners a few minutes ago. Awaken to the Lord Jesus now before the world was ever formed. You were predestinated unto eternal life. And tonight you've only come to accept it in the presence of this resurrected Jesus Christ. Do you love him? Do you reject complacency? Do you feel the unction? Of the quickening of the Holy Spirit. To move you into the promises of God. Amen. Amen. Could you give me just one more scripture? Titus 3 and 7. That being justified by grace. We should be made what? Heirs. According to the hope. Of eternal life. That eternal life that you've accepted. So Titus goes on, goes on to say then, then he has justified you. Or now, saints of God, 
If he's justified, do you believe Titus 3 7? Does everybody that's a Christian here believe Titus 3 7? Okay, we won't take invisible union, even though the prophet says exactly what the Bible says, because he's a word prophet, and there has to be the word to line up with the word prophet, right? So the prophet said, you're guiltless, free from all sin, never did it in the first place. Well, Titus is saying here, so you whom he has justified by his grace means that he's made you free from every guilt. Every guilt of every sin. You are free. You didn't deserve it. It's his grace. And he has accepted you and has made you heir. Of eternal life. Actually now. That heir. Being your legal possession. Means that you are to now experience. Your heirship. (laughs) I'm an heir. Of the father. I'm a joint heir. With the son. You and I, because we've been called that as we've been preaching now from Galatians 3, Romans 8, Titus 3, over these last few services. Calling you an heir. Showing you who's speaking to you. Not man, but God. Leading you into promises that you never even knew were there. But God sent a prophet to unveil it to us. And reveal it to us. And release it to us. That's why he says, God at sundered times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. That son, Logos, by the word whom he hath appointed now heir of all things. Do you feel? Or oh, let's not say you feel. Do you believe that you are an heir of eternal life? Amen. Then you're a heir and joint heir, Sister Violet, to the promises of God that are yea and amen to them that believe. I love you, Lord. Let's just sing that. Let's just stand on our feet, please. As a mission, musicians keep playing. Maybe if you'd like to bow your head and close your eyes. an audience such as we have here this morning you don't know what phrase what scripture what quote what the Holy Spirit has dealt individually to and to whom but if there has been any part in the word this morning that you felt the Holy Spirit dealt with you this morning and you just want to lay it before him say Lord you see my heart 
You sent a light throughout Jerusalem. I want you to take a light throughout my life, Lord. If there's anything that's lacking, take it out, Lord Jesus. Lord, I want to love you. I want to live for you. I want this word to manifest like it's never manifested before. I need you, Lord. I need that stimulation of revelation. The word has gone so cold. I I want it to be a flame within my soul, fire in my bones. And you just want to lift your hand to him and say, Jesus, nobody else needs to know. Only you need to know, Lord, my deep desire for the things of God and what I have for you. Show me things to come, Lord. Show me my promise, Lord. I'm an heir. Give me my wife, Lord. Give me my husband. Give me my children. Do with me. Use me. Whatever capacity that be. Father, as we sang the song, I love you, Lord. Not only do I lift up my voice, I lift up my heart, I lift up my being to you this morning. We've been given a grand and precious privilege to be given eyes to have in this Laodicean age. When we see such complacency around going on, people just falling away, getting cold and lukewarm. But there is a people that shall overcome. And I believe I'm in with a group of people of overcomers, Lord. We sometimes need to think very deeply. Look within. Say, fallen short, fallen short, as the scripture says. Be zealous, therefore, repent. Lord, I don't want to fall short. I want to move on. I want that word to quicken like it's never quickened before. I want it to become alive. A dull. An old. A living word. Live through us all, Lord. Let there be a vibrancy. Let there be a life of God. Let our children experience it, Lord. Not just the elders, Lord. Let mommy experience it. Daddy experience it. May our children experience a communion with God. So with hearts lifted, hands lifted, my heart's lifted. Drive out all doubt and unbelief, Lord. Let truth prevail. Because truth indeed will march on. Let it march within every one of our hearts and lives, Lord. We're going into another year. And I pray, Father God, that in this school year, that your hand will be upon our young children. I pray you'll anoint our teachers. Brother Kim, as he will lead at school, as principal. Pray, Lord, as Solomon prayed, Lord, grant to him wisdom and understanding. Every teacher, Lord. 
every helper, every parent. And for the children that do not attend, that go other places. May a hedge of fire be around them. Let their light so shine and convict and deal with those around them. May you use this church as a lighthouse, Lord. May the fire never go out. May complacency never darken the doors of this church. May the lukewarmness of Laodicea be at bay by the Spirit of God. And may the life of Jesus Christ be everyone's portion, I ask. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. There's a light in the window. There's a light in the window.